Listener Production. Hello and welcome to The Briefing. Tom Tilly and Antoinette Latouf with you for a special January 26 episode with Indigenous lawyer Teela Reid. We're going to find out how Teela will spend today because this year there's been a big shift and one of those shifts is some major employers like Woolworths and Telstra. They've joined a growing list of workplaces giving their employees the choice to opt out of taking the Australia Day public holiday on the day that marks the arrival of the first fleet in what became known as Sydney Harbour. Yeah, we'll also get her thoughts on the growing debate about the Indigenous voice to Parliament. We'll all be voting in that referendum later this year and our politicians are already arguing about how much detail we need to know before we go to that vote. And Teela Reid is actually on the government's referendum engagement group advising them how to move ahead with the referendum on the voice. So we're super fortunate to have Teela Reid with us today. She is a lawyer working in land rights litigation and she's the practitioner in residence at Sydney University Law School. Tila, thanks so much for joining us. First off, tell us a little bit about who you are and where you come from. Yama, thank you for having me. First of all, I want to acknowledge that we're kind of recording this from the unceded lands and waters of the Gadigal people who, you know, let's not forget that both the Gadigal and Bajigal people were at the front line of what we're about to embark on in Mm. terms of this conversation today. I think we need to be really realistic about um, the emotions that that brings up for lots of First Nations peoples when thinking about this day, but also centering this conversation. Like, what happened on this land has been historic and bloodshed and changed the trajectory of these First Nations in particular. And I think we owe a lot to the Gadigal and Bejigal for for holding that front line. So I want to acknowledge their people and their ancestors. Um, And as a visitor to this country... Um, you know, I am Wiradjuri and Walwan, and it is important for me as a freshwater girl living by the saltwater um, to to understand and acknowledge and show up on, on this country every day as a visitor. And unless you are Gadigal or Bejigal, um, particularly in what is now known as Sydney, each and every one of us is a visitor. I just so happen to be a lawyer. Uh, I work in Aboriginal land rights litigation. I come from an activist family, particularly, you know, around land rights. I was that little girl marched off to uh, meetings with elders and aunties and uncles um, as the oldest granddaughter in my kinship. So I see lawyering as an extension of that part of me. And keen to know how you normally spend January 26th. It really depends on my energy. I have at times showed up to the front line of protests on Invasion Day and what we have witnessed is lots of non-Indigenous Australians showing up in solidarity on this day. This year I'm taking time out to rest as resistance, um, to stop and really, I think, reflect on the initial intention, especially from First Nations peoples who stood in 
silent protest outside Australia Hall in 1938 who declared the 26th of January a day of mourning. And for me, as someone who is first and foremost a First Nations woman, for us, Invasion Day is every day. For us, we show up on the other 364 days of the year. This year, especially, and I know, you know, I've spoken to a number of other Titter girls about this, and lots of us are just taking that time to, I think, sit, heal, and reflect and and take an opportunity as rest as resistance because this colony is freaking tiring. It's hard work. I mean, showing up every day in this place as someone who knows who you are as a First Nations woman and understands your own story and is not shaken by, I think, what's happening around us. It takes a lot of power and courage and I think reflection on the stories of our ancestors to show up every other day. On reflection, our ancestors had it a lot harder in terms of the physical Mm. brunt of the invasion. So I think, yeah, just taking this day to sit and, and reflect and acknowledge that the original intention of 1938 was a day of mourning. But it does irk me when I do see non-Indigenous Australians think, okay, like, well, can't we just change the date to make it more unifying? And I think people need to really come back to what those First Nations ancestors called for in 1938, which is a day of mourning. So you would still like to see this day marked, but just marked completely differently to how it has been over the last few decades? Yes. So things like people thinking we can change the date or find a new date, I personally don't think we can rewrite the fact that this awful history has happened in our nation's story. But I certainly think that Australia Day as a celebration should be abolished and that it should be marked as a day of mourning. So if we move the celebratory part of it to another day. But what's there to celebrate? Tell me. What about where we have come as a country, as in uh, we are a nation of migrants, yes, with a brutal colonial past, but is there nothing in us in Australian society that we could celebrate no. on, an, on another date? No. I don't think Australia has earned the right to celebrate. We've got a lot of difficult work to get done as a nation And that comes with the discomfort and uncomfortable conversations that Australians seem to want to like, you know, let's find a different day to celebrate. Mm. No, mate, it's not going to happen, I think, until we really address the foundational issues of our nation. And if you look around the world, lots of different democracies have recognised the fact that there was preoccupation and ownership by First Nations peoples of this land Mm -hmm. In different ways. You know, some people have treaty, some democracies have voices, some democracies have First Nations parliaments. In Australia, we are yet to do the hard work. I do not think right now we've earned the right to celebrate this country. And that comes with, I think, a reckoning around our nation's story. It comes with, I think, everyday Australians now in this time and place understanding that they are inheriting, I think, 
from a system that has dispossessed First Nations peoples. So, yeah, no, short answer is I don't think as a nation we've earned the right to celebrate. Okay, so what do you think about this growing list of employers who are giving their employees the the choice on how they spend this day? You talked about um, this year spending it as a day of rest, as a part of resistance. What about Telstra, um, Woolworths? These are huge Australian Mm -hmm. employers clearly changing their thinking on this day. Do you see that as a good thing? I think it represents a number of things. The fact that, you know, the private sector and corporate Australia are really stepping up. Um, Where governments aren't. Where governments aren't in terms of, I think, creating a space and an opportunity for everyday Australians to make these individual choices around how they want to show up on these particular days. And I do think that that is a step forward to, I think, people being able to reflect on how they want to, as an individual, have an impact. I do also think that there is a point where, sure, if you want to take the opportunity to work on that day, don't forget that you still have an obligation to um, engage in the dialogue Mm. around this unfinished business of our nation and that, you know, it certainly has started to create ripples and conversations Mm. uh, among Australians about, okay, my workplace is providing this opportunity to, you know, not celebrate Australia Day. And I think for many Australians, they're grappling with that. And I think that's a good thing. And I'm interested in your perspective on the role non-black people of colour play in this, because if we're to look at this in a really binary way, it's like, you know, the white man stole the black man's land. And now there are a whole bunch of other migrants here who are people of colour who are benefiting from and living in this society. Mm. What role do we play in in this conversation and as allies um, to First Nations people? I think that's probably a better question for you to answer. To be very honest, like I can't tell allies how to step up and what they need to do as people of colour or settlers of colour. But I think at the end of the day, you're a settler mm-hmm. on unceded lands and waters and how you then have that conversation in your community about what that means to be in solidarity with First Nations people is the conversation you need to be, I think, um, mobilising in your community. And I don't want this like whole thing to turn into kind of like doom and gloom, but I think one of the things, especially with people who feel like they want to be an ally on this day, we all expect to feel good in these moments. And it's like actually the difficult work that our nation has swept under the carpet for so long and the confrontation that comes with, I think, having, you know, awkward conversations in your family or with your cousins or with your racist uncle. It's like, well, that's the hard work. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. It's gross, but we've avoided it for too long. But I just think that that's how we grow as a nation. Mm. That's how we mature. And I think the more we try and ignore the truth and the reality of our history, we just delay the inevitable in this country. You know, we're a nation without formal recognition of its First Nations. We're a nation in which, you know, I was having this conversation with someone this week, which was Australia is such an anomaly 
um, to other democracies around the world in which the British ignored their own law when they came here. They did not seek the consent of, I quote, the natives when they came. For some reason, which we don't know, they assumed ownership of a land that was already preoccupied by over 250 First Nations. And I think Australians have to really sit and grapple with that hard reality. It's like we are out of step with the rest of the world. We are uniquely racist in our laws. Mm. No other democracy in the world has a constitution in which there is a race power to enable our federal parliament to make racist laws with respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And these are the systemic issues I think that we, you know, the consequence of these systemic issues is that the ignorance, the lack of, I think, centering of First Nations voices means we are seeing this rise in deaths in custody, this ignorance of hearing local First Nations solutions. And I think it would be such an asset and benefit to our democracy to not always see First Nations as a deficit, but an opportunity to understand how amazing it is to live on this ancient continent. And I guess the other anomaly is we're the only Western democracy, as I understand, that actually celebrates its invasion or marks the the day of invasion as the national day of celebration. Yeah. And I think that's the resistance First Nations peoples often take issue with. And not that I speak on behalf of all First Nations, but Australians, whether you're a settler of colour or a white Australian, you should be taking issue with this. This is your story. This is, you know, how in non-Indigenous Australia is, is expecting to celebrate a day when it marks such a dark part of our history. And sure, there are lots of amazing things to, I think, um, acknowledge and embrace about this country, but that begins with its First Nations. And we need to start addressing the systemic issues that omit us from our national life. All right, let's talk about the voice. It's already becoming a political debate, which is something I imagine you didn't want it to become. We're now in this to and fro about how much detail the public needs to know to vote on the constitutional change. The year kind of started with Peter Dutton, in a way, firing up this debate by saying Albanese is making a catastrophic mistake by not providing more detail. What do you make of the way this is playing out so far? The idea around a voice really come from, you know, the 1930s when Sir William Cooper sent a letter to the King calling for greater representation in federal parliament. Over time, First Nations peoples have issued many different petitions to the Australian government calling for greater say in self-determination in the democratic process. Most Australians now have known or heard about this idea about a voice and The reason is because the strategy was different with the Uluru Statement this time. Rather than going to Parliament and asking politicians to do this, we went straight to the people, to everyday Australians like you guys, to to people who are listening here, to push this movement forward. And it has been since 2017 when the Uluru Statement invited Australians on this journey um, 
to keep the voice on the national agenda, we have consistently seen time in, time out, particularly even, you know, in the last prime ministership, Scott Morrison, when he continued to reject it, Australians said, no, we want this on the national agenda. What we're seeing now, you know, back to your uh, point, which I think is very critical, it's that another politician, Dutton, is politicising this issue, is calling for more detail when in fact it's the role of parliament post a referendum to define that detail. I want people to understand that when there are questions around detail, it really is a strategy to try and derail this people's movement that we are on as Australians. And that we saw it in the kind of pre-Republic era Um, the way in which politicians politicised the Republic issue as a result of not enough detail, which basically saw that referendum fail. And I just think that it's really important to understand this. Australians have not uh, gone to the ballot box on a referendum in like over 30 years. 99 it was. Yeah, so that was the Republic referendum. So it's been like an entire generation of us Mm. understanding the purpose of a referendum. And it's really important, I think, for people to understand why we're going to a referendum. And that comes back to this this question around the lack of recognition of First Nations peoples. And that once we start to, I think, educate ourselves and have these conversations about it's let's focus on the purpose of the referendum, which is just to enable the voice and not the detail, we're able to understand that this is a nation building exercise. The ballot box at a referendum really is just about the Australian people mandating that First Nations ought to have a voice in this democratic process and that moving forward as a nation, we can build this together and that this is an exercise for the Australian people in order to try and resolve this unfinished business about the recognition of the rightful place of First Nations peoples. And that's the purpose of the referendum. You were critical of the way Peter Dutton's approached it. Do you think there are mistakes that Anthony Albanese is making or do you think he's approaching this in the right way? The politicians are only having this conversation because we're having it like now on the ground. You know, there's a lot of work to be done between now and and the referendum date. And I think making sure that the government of the day, which so happens to be Labor, is putting to the people accurate information about this process of the referendum is what's going to be absolutely key in making sure that we get this across the line and have something to celebrate as a nation. You know, like I I don't live in a bubble. I'm from a First Nations community. I've got First Nations family and friends, but I also live and operate in the same world you guys live in with lots of different people from diverse backgrounds. And I just think I want to see the day where we as a nation have earned that opportunity to go, we achieve this as yeah. the people. Well, yeah. You, you were talking about whether we deserve to celebrate or not mm. before and what that might mean for January 26. Does a voice to parliament give That's, us something to, to celebrate? I think it will. Okay. So is that how you could imagine it? So we vote yes for this referendum. Mm-hmm. We enshrine a voice to parliament. The day that that happens, does that become our day of celebration, but we keep 
January 26th as the day of mourning. Is that how you would like to see it? I think yes. Yeah. Resolving such enormous democratic questions like this that we've, we have left behind. And we have to remember that the founders of this nation expected First Nations peoples to die out. For those founders, we're still seen as the problem in this country because we're still here trying to grapple with the fact that things like white Australia policy did not work. And in fact, First Nations peoples have survived. And I think reflecting on these days um, and opportunities to build a better future for our country absolutely does mean amazing things. Mm. Because we have to remember as well that something like the Uluru Statement doesn't just call for the voice. I know it's Mm. consuming a lot of conversations with friends and family at the moment, but we have to remember this, that there is an imagining of our country gifted to the Australian people that imagines voice Makarata. And Makarata was gifted to the movement by the Yongul people, which is a call to peace on our country. It is a call to resolve and to end the struggle that we clearly continue to come to every 26th of January. And especially as I think a lawyer, an advocate and a First Nations woman in this space, we see um, our elders who have been at the front line of these movements for decades. And in all honesty, people are tired. People are exhausted. It is one of the reasons why I'm taking... Your rest state will do. Rest as resistance. It's because... We have been in fight mode for so long and I will be taking rest as a resistance and still really proud of those who have the energy to show up on the front line. But lots of people are, to be very honest, exhausted. This colony is very tiring. So creating opportunities to build a better future for our country are certainly chances to to look forward to and celebrate. And I think... Australians, once we understand the purpose of a referendum and moving forward as a nation towards Makarata, we will better be able to understand that big picture on the horizon, that this is really about the resolution of our nation. And I think Australians need to have a bit more courage in our own agency. I have these conversations a lot in the community and I think lots of people forget how powerful they are as individuals and that every single action from this moment forward, especially towards something like a referendum, is going to be so galvanising for people and that, you know, don't worry about what the politicians are saying. You get out there. You guys power this thing because that is the only way we're going to get this across the line and start to be able to build a better future. And I think that lots of people, what we've witnessed, especially over probably the last two decades, is a lot of Australians losing faith and trust in the political process on a number of issues. Another issue is something like climate justice, which I personally feel very passionate about. You're seeing this kind of pattern of people go, oh, you know, the politicians are just, they're not going to listen anyway. But I think in the act of remembering that they are accountable to us, 
we as the people realise the power we have in moving our country forward and taking responsibility for that. That was Teela Reid, Indigenous lawyer and practitioner in residence at the Sydney University Law School. There's so much to be said, Tom, in Australia's inability to have difficult conversations and sit with discomfort. I, I really, what really resonated with me in that discussion with Teela is we like to avoid the yucky stuff. We like to pretend things didn't happen or we have a she'll be right, just get over it kind of attitude. And we haven't really reconciled our really brutal, uh, violent colonial past. And we have this awful hangover that we just won't address. Yeah, I think what she said about finding a new day to celebrate after we vote for The Voice makes a lot of sense because changing the date won't really work unless it's moved to something meaningful. Mm. I think if if The Voice was voted in, that was a really unifying moment where we did address some of the problems with the past but find a way to make laws and advise our parliament in ways that truly benefit Indigenous people, advised by Indigenous people, that would be something to celebrate and could unify Australians. And as Teela said, January 26 could still be a day where we mark the landing of the first fleet, but do it do it properly, not as a celebration mm. that doesn't really include everyone. Yep, and we and we all have a role to play, yeah, including myself as a, a non-black person of colour, to have those conversations with, with my community, people I know, call things out, do the work. It's hard, it's uncomfortable, but it's well overdue. Listener.